0: We did it. We made it through another NFL draft against all odds, and we made it through another weekend as well. Tanner Hoops with you here in the Sports Pen this Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Lot to get into today. We've got plenty to talk about from the draft, particularly from the Lions and Packers side. I'm going to give you my post-draft grades, the four teams who head and shoulders stand above everybody else after draft weekend. Plus, I'm going to talk with some Northern Michigan coaches about how they're being affected, both. Personally and professionally, by the outbreak and the quarantine. this is recruiting season for a lot of them we 'll chat with some of the wildcat coaches here over the course of next hour. but I want to start with the draft and I want to start by talking about the lions and the packers and firstly, on the Detroit side. It's kind of a mixed reviews about it. I mean, it was an okay draft. If you're grading it, it's probably probably a C. I mean, they didn't make too big of a splash. They addressed some needs that they needed to. You know, they got some recognizable names if you've been following college football. Jeff Acuda, DeAndre Swift, Quintez Cephas, who I think was a great value pick for them. Uh, Julian Aquora is going to be reunited with his brother Romeo, who already plays for the Lions. They'll become the fifth set of brothers in Lions history to play together as teammates. I got to watch plenty of them when they were playing together at Notre Dame and now they're going to be teammates again in the NFL with the Detroit Lions. So did this really move the needle for Detroit? Not really. I mean, did we expect it to? I don't know really where there was a move that the Lions could have come out of this weekend looking like they were going to be a competitive team, like they were going to be a playoff team. I don't know if there really was anybody who would have done that for the Lions this year and I get it. Some people really wish they would have took to a tongue of I low at number three overall even if Tua went to the to the Lions, I mean, in the, here's the thing. If the season does start on time, Tua's not going to be ready for it. I mean, Tua's not in a position right now where he needs to be looking at getting ready for opening day, the NFL season. I mean, he's going to be out probably at least about a month or so if the season does start on time. So you're sitting a guy behind Matt Stafford, and you're not addressing other needs. And, you know, they the Packer fans will tell you, first of all, uh, you're – You should be happy that Tua was not taken by the Lions. Stick with Stafford and address some other needs. And that's what the Lions did. And again, does anybody that they got uh, this weekend, does it make the Lions any more competitive? Will it move them out of the basement, the NFC North? Probably not. Did we expect that there would be anybody who would do that for the Lions? Probably not. So, you know, they got some recognizable names, quite a few Ohio State guys. So they got some guys that have played at, one of the highest levels of college football and addressed a few team needs. So all in all, it's just kind of a meh draft. I mean, it was fine. They got some names. They got some guys that will be able to step on the field next year immediately and be able to help them. DeAndre Swift, I guess he might be the only real question, you know, why did they draft a running back at 35? I believe it was one of those things where he was just the best available player, maybe lights a fire under uh under on Johnson and you know what if he works out he works out and he he was a fun guy to watch run the football at Georgia so Lions fans should be expecting something similar at the very least have a little bit of a running back competition but again i i get it you know lions fans are probably unsatisfied but there wasn't a whole lot that was going to come out of this weekend that was going to make you think yeah this is going to be what puts the lions over the top if they draft so and so here and here there really wasn't a lot that was going to do that for the Lions, so they did fine. i give them about a C as far as my grade for how the Lions did this weekend. in the NFL draft. The Packers, on the other hand, are a whole different story. And I want to preference uh, this by saying that this was, as billed to be, the deepest wide receiver draft in NFL history. 38 wide receivers were drafted. That is easily the most ever. Two teams did not get in on that. They did not participate. Two teams did not draft a wide receiver this year. The Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. Two teams who have a need at wide receivers. We saw last year people kept saying Tom Brady didn't have any weapons outside of Edelman. Well, the Patriots didn't spring at it either to go get a wide receiver. And the Packers, who of course their biggest need was wide receiver. And really did the Packers address any of their three biggest needs? Because they swung and missed on a wide receiver. Brian Goodkoops said that they weren't going to pounce on a wide receiver because this class was so deep, he thought they were going to be there. And it never came. It never came for Green Bay. He did not draft one one wide receiver on any any level, at any round. Their next biggest need was tight end. And I get it. You know, this wasn't a great tight end draft. Cole Komet was the first tight end off the board. I think he went to the... Well, he went to the Bears, I believe it was in the third round. Uh, I get it. You know, it's not a great tight end class. But, man, there's a guy that, you know, will probably step on the field next year and be able to contribute. And then on the defensive side of the ball, getting a run stopper because that was one of their weakest points in the blowout loss to San Fran in the NFC Championship last year. Getting a good run stopper on defense. I mean, did they really get anybody that moves the needle for Packer fans? Are there any Packer fans out there who feel confident that any of the, the linemen do that will be able to step on the field and contribute right away? I don't know if there's anybody regardless in this draft class that is going to step on the field next year and contribute right away. If you, if I had to guess, the one I think that is the best shot of contributing to the Packers next year is John Runyon, the lineman out of Michigan. Uh, if there's anybody from this class that will probably see significant Playing time next year, I believe that's who it is. But the Packers used their first two picks. This is a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl, although it's not as close as it sounds because of the vast separation, the vast difference uh, between them and San Fran in both games last year. the The Packers might have been one game away from the Super Bowl, but in reality, they weren't. And instead, this team that claims to be in win-now mode drafts a quarterback who won't see the field regularly for at least three to four years, and a running back who I know is not better than one guy already on the roster, and he might not be better than either guy that the Packers are going to bring in this year as far as their top three running backs. So a team that's one game away from playing for the Super Bowl, and by definition only, that is. I mean, realistically, the Packers were not one game away from the Super Bowl, but a team that's in win-now mode with an aging quarterback who needs help. He needs some weapons. They spend their first two picks trading up, to get that quarterback's replacement and then go out and get a a likely third string running back with their first two picks. And a running back, by the way, an A.J. Dillon, who I thought underperformed this year at Boston College as a senior, I thought coming into the year that it would be a battle between Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne for the role, or the title, I should say, as top running back in college football. Taylor ended up being the top running back in college football, and then you can make a case two, three, and four, who you think is up there. I think it was J.K. Dobbins, now in hindsight, out of Ohio State, and then probably DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne because he struggled the first half year. I'd probably rank him fourth, and then maybe A.J. Dillon. I really thought coming into the year, A.J. Dillon was going to be the third best running back in college football behind Taylor and Etienne, and maybe he was top five. I mean, A.J. Dillon is not going to beat out Aaron Jones for the starting running back position this year. I don't know that he's good enough to do so, and he's certainly not ready to do it. The Packers spent their first two selections on backups. And I get it. I get the frustration from Packer fans. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to rub it in or rub it in your face because I get it. You should be frustrated. You have every right to be frustrated. I put out a poll on Twitter, a very unscientific poll on Saturday asking my listeners, my fans, my followers to grade how the Packers did in this year's draft. The options were A, B slash C, since you can only have four options in a Twitter poll, and then D and F. And about Two thirds or so of the votes were D and F votes. And somebody voted for A, and I want that person to reveal themselves because I, I I want to understand why. I mean, if someone truly feels happy about the Packer draft, um good, good, I'm glad. Please reveal yourself because I'd like to know why. And I think a lot of Packer fans would like to know why you're encouraged. Uh, Jake Duran, of course, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, the sports guy over at Local 3, diehard Packer fan. He'll be on here Thursday per usual and give us his thoughts on the draft. Uh, He's not necessarily, from the conversations I've had with him over the weekend, he's not necessarily happy with the draft. But he's positive. He's staying positive. And if you look, at, look up Jake on social media, he's going to war with his fellow Packer fans trying to spread that positivity, which I give him credit for. I get it. I don't blame him trying to stay positive. But really, the Packers failed Aaron Rodgers and their fan base this weekend. They didn't address any of the three biggest needs for the squad that, again, while they were 13-3, and three, one game away from the Super Bowl, it feels like they're a lot farther away. And there are teams that... You know, like, how how would Aaron Rodgers like to have Howie Roseman or John Lynch as his GM instead of Brian Gutekunst? Those two guys both were managing playoff teams last year. They had quarterbacks that were in desperate need of weapons. They both satisfied the, those needs this uh, this weekend. They went out and they got their quarterback weapons. Brian Gutekunst didn't do that for Aaron Rodgers. Instead, he tells them, We're going to use our top overall pick and go get your replacement. Now, will Jordan Love pan out in the NFL? I don't know. I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to be a complete bust or he won't be a good NFL player. And maybe the Packers truly believe that Jordan Love is just that kind of generational talent they can't pass up on. I'm not disputing that. I'm not saying Jordan Love could not be a good NFL quarterback in the future. What I am saying is their window is right now. They need to be in win-now mode. And I asked Rob Demosky that fairly pointedly last week. I asked him, are the Packers in win-now mode? And he said, absolutely they are, despite the fact that they may not take a wide receiver in the first couple of rounds of the draft because he believes this class is deep enough, good wideouts will still be there. Well, I'm trying to t- trying to see the win-now mentality with Brian Gutekunst. I really am. And Packer fans abso- absolutely should be upset with the way that this draft was handled. And almost... uh almost a sign of disrespect to Aaron Rodgers. It just was not a good weekend for the Packers. But I tell you what, a few news and notes, what have you, from the draft. I got a few stats that I want to throw out at you. First of all, the SEC dominated the draft. They had 15 of the first 32 picks, so 15 first-round picks and 63 overall. That was far and away the most of any conference. And I'll just run through the list here and give you the numbers while we have them. The next closest was the Big 10 with 48 Big 10 players selected in the draft, 32 from the Pac-12, 27 from the ACC, 21 from the Big 12, 17 from the American 10 each for the Mountain West and Conference USA, 7 Sun Belt players, 6 from Notre Dame, 2 from the MAC, 1 each from Liberty, New Mexico State, and UMass. Then there were 6 FCS schools who had a player that was drafted in the NFL. Southern Illinois, Dayton, Rhode Island, Tennessee State, James Madison, and North Dakota each had one player that was drafted. Two Division II players from Lenoir-Rhyne and Washburn and one from St. John uh, of Minnesota, a Division III school. So one Division III player was among the selections. Mr. Relevant this year, I always like seeing who is that 255th overall pick. The final pick of the NFL draft and the New York Giants had the honor of selecting Tay Crowder out of Georgia linebacker as this year's mystery relevant before we hit our first break here and I give you my top four the big winners of the draft weekend let me give you a trivia question here because I saw this stat I thought it was a really good one and I get it you know I'm working from home you're not able to call in on the ESPN UP phone line uh, you can private message I guess if you want um, I don't have a prize or anything it's just for fun just to give your brain something to munch on here for a little bit this weekend Joe Burrow became the 25th quarterback selected with the first overall pick in the NFL Draft in the Common Draft era, which dates back to 1967. Of the previous 24, four of those guys went on to win an NFL MVP, and six went on to win Super Bowl MVP. Now, of those 24 quarterbacks who were the first overall picks in their respective drafts, only three have won both, an NFL MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. Your task is to name those three quarterbacks. I'll repeat that trivia question again. Joe Burrow became the 25th quarterback taken with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. The previous 24, of the previous 24, four went on to win an NFL MVP, six went on to win a Super Bowl MVP, and three have won both, the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. It's your job to tell me those three, or at least come up with those three. That's our trivia question of the day. And again, no prize, I'm working from home, so I don't have the ESPN UP phone line to For you to call in with the right answer, but just something for your football mind to munch on here in the post-draft era. Tell you what, we're coming up on our first break. We'll take it now. We'll give you the answer to the trivia question a little bit later on the show. When we come back, my post-draft grades for teams who absolutely won the weekend next on ESPN-UP.
1: As the COVID-19 outbreak continues, most businesses across the UP will need support. You're invited to visit www.update906.com provided by the UP Economic Development Community for the UP business community designed to offer a single online location of trusted resources including currently available local, state, and federal programming as well as local support.
2: Go to update 906com to stay informed and up to date in this fast-changing environment. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop.
0: Post from the weekend. Plus, I've got some Northern Michigan coaches that will join me to talk about how the outbreak and the quarantine have been affecting them as they get set for what should be fun seasons this fall. Hopefully, everything is able to happen everything can happen on time. First though, I want to give you my post-draft grades because I believe there are four teams who were head and shoulders above everybody else this weekend. The 49ers, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Eagles. Those four teams, I thought, absolutely won the draft. Now there are a few honorable mentions, I thought. Uh, Oakland, uh, oh that's that's a fine for me, that's a little bit of a transition period. The Las Vegas Raiders, I thought, had a really nice draft their first year as Las Vegas. At least they have a plan for what they want to be, and that is a fast team, drafting a lot of speedsters, a lot of wide receivers. They need that to be able to compete with guys like Pat Mahomes and Tariq Hill, and the speed that the AFC West is going to put on display this year. I get it. They you know, have an idea, they have an identity, I guess, what they're searching for, and Gave uh, Derek Carr a few more weapons to complement a really nice tight end in Darren Waller. I thought the New York Jets addressed a few needs that they were looking for. I thought it was a really good draft for first-year GM Joe Douglas. They filled a few holes. They got a few value picks on day three. They got the Zaniga kid from Florida on uh, day three, I think, in the fourth round. Bryce Hall was a corner from Virginia who was projected to go first round, and then he suffered a gruesome injury. And I mean, he's got first-round talent. The Jets were able to get him. In the fifth round, I I really thought New York, as far as the Jets, that they had a very good draft and filled a few holes that they were looking to fill. Nonetheless, there were the four aforementioned teams, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the 49ers, and the Eagles, I thought were the teams who absolutely won the weekend. Let me tell you why, and I'll start with the team that I have fourth of the four on that list, on my big list, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. I give them a draft grade of A-minus. Because you know what? I I don't know about necessarily some of the picks that they had, but they did exactly what they wanted to do this weekend. And if you remember last week's show, I said that the Eagles were going to be a team that was going to have a big draft. I don't know if it would be a good draft, but I thought they would make a splash. And they did. They were a team that had a big draft and they made a splash. Now I gave them an A minus instead of an A because you know what? I I questioned some of the picks. Maybe I mean their first uh, first round selection, Justin Jefferson, was right there for them at number twenty one. Uh, they chose to pass on him and gave the Minnesota Vikings a pick right after them an absolute gift with Jordan uh, Justin Jefferson. I thought. Jefferson was probably the guy they should have taken. And then in round two, they take Jalen Hurts. They take a quarterback, which I don't hate. I I honestly don't hate that. I I actually do like that pick. But I think there were some other issues that they had to address that they didn't with that selection. Nonetheless, they did address that later on. and In a span of three days, the Eagles went from the slowest team in the NFL to the fastest team in the NFL. They really did. Philadelphia last year, their biggest weakness was team speed. They were not a fast team and they did not have a good receiving core. So I get it. They went to this weekend. They said, We are going to be a fast team. You know, I get it. There's more to the game than speed, what have you, but that was such a big weakness for them on both sides of the ball, but especially in offense last year. You felt bad for Carson Wentz, trying to make it work with guys like Nelson Aguilar as his biggest weapon. That receiving core was it was brutal. It really was. So the Eagles had a plan in place. You know what? I don't know they necessarily drafted the most talented player at each, uh, at each spot where they needed to fill a specific need, but they did what they set out to accomplish, and that was to become a faster team. And I tell you what, if we do have a football season this year, the Eagles are going to be the fastest team in the NFL. I mean, if we have to get to the point where we're doing 4 a 100 relays, I'm taking the Eagles. I mean, their team speed is night and day different. They went literally from worst to first, in the span of three days, particularly because on day three, they acquired Marquise Godwin from the 49ers. They were able to add another wide receiver. So Philadelphia, to me, you know, and especially with Jalen Hurts, so that, that, that is a big part of it because I don't want to say I don't like the Jalen Hurts pick. You're getting depth at the quarterback position. You've got a guy who's got championship experience, albeit just like Carson Wentz, the guy he's going to go play with. Uh, they both watch their backups come in. And bring their team to a championship but nonetheless Jalen Hurts is a fun type of player that I'm excited to see how Doug Peterson uses him because Doug Peterson as we've seen is a master of trick plays with the Philly special things like that Uh, I I get it that Hurts is not the pro style quarterback or he's not the stereotype quarterback that you are looking for in the NFL but that kind of athleticism and that size that speed I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with a guy like that. It's kind of like a hybrid of Taysom Hill and Lamar Jackson in a way. So I I can't wait to see how Jalen Hurts fits into an offensive system with one of the most creative coaches in football in Doug Peterson. So, again, while I I necessarily may not have drafted uh, the, the way that Howie Roseman did with specific picks, nonetheless, the Eagles did turn themselves into the fastest team in the NFL. They went literally from worst to first. I'm not exaggerating in terms of, team speed they did that this weekend that was their goal going into the draft and because of that i give them an a-minus overall the team i thought that had the third best draft of anybody this weekend was the denver broncos they have a clear identity of what they want to be john elway has whiffed on so many quarterbacks outside of Peyton manning since becoming the general manager of his old team so they find somebody who had a promising albeit abbreviated rookie season in drew last year he looked good in the short sample size that we had when he came in relief of Joe Flacco for the second half of that season. Now it's all about getting him some weapons, and John Elway is doing that. And it tells you who's calling the shots here, because you've got Elway, a former quarterback and a Bronco legend, and a defensive-minded head coach in Vic Fangio. And the Broncos invested heavily in the offense uh, during this draft. So this is what their offense looks like right now. With Drew Locke, you've got a backfield of Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Think about that. And then from a receiving aspect, You've got Cortland Sutton, who's going to be probably maybe the number two wide receiver on that team when the season starts, because Jerry Judy was taken in the first round by Denver, and you couple that with Noah Fant at the tight end position, who was taken 20th overall in the NFL draft last year. That is a pretty darn loaded weapon cachet for John Elway and Drew Locke. And you think about it, they've got a new offensive coordinator this year, too and Pat Shermer, who was most recently the head coach in the New York Giants and was let go from that uh, position back in December. Shermer, for his inability to succeed as a head coach, everywhere he's gone as an offensive coordinator, he has been successful. And he's done it with quarterbacks like Case Keenum. I mean, Pat Shermer is one heck of a coordinator. And he has got all kinds of weapons to play with. And he's got a general manager that is committed to making sure the offense succeeds. So Denver has got a clear plan. they they know exactly what they want to be. That's why I give them five stars. I give them an A grade, and I believe that they had the third best draft of anybody this weekend. Number one and two on my list, I mean, it's pretty interchangeable. You could make a case. You could convince me if you put on your convincing hat, and I put on my persuaded hat that uh, that the Cowboys or the 49ers won this weekend, had the best draft. I think there's a case to be made for both, and I very well could make them 1A and 1B. But this is America, and we don't believe in ties here in the sports pen, so i got to rank them. i got to break that tie. I am going to go with the 49ers at number one and the Cowboys at number two, and I do it for this reason, because the 49ers did a lot. Well, I shouldn't say they did a lot more. They, did, they didn't do more with less, but they did as well as the Cowboys with less. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Coming into the draft, Cowboy fans were nervous, I mean, because Jerry Jones was going to be by himself on his million-dollar yacht, his mega yacht, which, by the way, is just an insane vessel. And if you get the chance to see it, we saw part of it during the uh, coverage of the draft. You know, And I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but it is not controversial to say that the virtual draft is better than the actual draft. Wasn't this weekend better? I liked it. I loved it, actually. The virtual draft, I would absolutely take over the in-person draft because of moments like that. What we got from Jerry Jones, alone on his yacht, not taking input from anybody else. He's making the decisions. Vrabel doing his thing and the weirdness in that one photo. Uh, Bilicek's dog was at one point sitting at his computer instead of Bilicek. Uh, It looked like the dog was making picks on the Patriots' behalf. It's because of moments like that, I absolutely prefer The virtual draft. But getting back to why I believe the 49ers slightly edged out the Cowboys this weekend, although I don't think it's much of a difference, if any at all. The Cowboys nailed every single pick. I mean, every pick was a good one this weekend for Jerry Jones and those guys. I mean, he was by himself, but you know what? For all of his faults, his inability, and the criticism that he got uh, when he wouldn't fire Jason Garrett, and for his inability to get the Cowboys to the Super Bowl it's very rarely because of lack of talent. Jerry doesn't always get credit for the talented rosters that he's able to build. Now, he should get criticized for not getting a coach who can win with that talent, but it's very rarely because of lack of talent that the Cowboys fail to live up to expectations. Like like last year, they had maybe the most talented roster in the NFL, failed to make the playoffs. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. But this year, they hit on every single pick. The Cowboys were... Outstanding with everyone who came to them. They waited for the guys that they needed to. They weren't aggressive in going out and making big trades and splashes and things like that. They just were smart about prioritizing what needs they had. They had C.D. Lamb absolutely fall into their lap in the first round. I thought he'd be gone in the 11 to 15 range when they started taking wide receivers and that the Cowboys, I had them mocked as uh, taking uh, Alabama safety Xavier McKinney with uh, the 17th overall pick, and he ended up falling to the Giants in the early second round, which, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm more excited about that pick than I'm about the Giants' first overall pick, uh, Andrew Thomas at number four, because, boy, that's a huge steal, Xavier McKinney. Nonetheless, C.D. Lamb was a steal for the Cowboys. He fell right into their lap, and they pulled the trigger on getting one of the top wideouts in the, well, in the college football season for this past year for Dak Prescott. Then in the second round, they kept it going. They get Trayvon Diggs, a defensive back from Alabama. They shore up their need in the defense, uh, defensive secondary by getting the brother of Bill's wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, who, of course, was the recipient of the Minneapolis Miracle Touchdown. They continue later that night by taking Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. So your first couple of days of the draft, it's CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, and Neville Gallimore. I mean, that that's a pretty good list of in its own. But this is what makes the Cowboys one of the premier teams from the weekend because all three days of the draft, they were in the penthouse. I mean, Jerry was making moves. He was making money moves even into the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds of the draft. Because on day three, they start out by taking Reggie Robinson of Tulsa and the very talented center from Wisconsin. And I'm going to get massacred by my Wisconsin listeners because you know what? I, I, I don't know how to say his name. Tyler, uh, Biazza, I don't know. I know that's wrong. Uh, at the same time, man, he is really talented. And I've said that for a long time, that he is going to be a guy who translates at the next level. They were able to get him in the fourth round when Travis Frederick retires, and then they continue on even to the fifth round, and they pick up Bradley, Anae. I don't know, Anie, uh, the edge rusher from Utah. It's another guy. I don't know how to say his name. We'll all learn these guys' names in the NFL because I really think they're going to succeed. They get Anaya, I think is how you say it. He just set the Utah single-season record for career tackles and was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. I mean, they get him in round five. There was not one pick that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys missed on. I've got an uncle who's a Cowboy fan. I texted him Saturday night, and I said, "Well, you've got to be a happy man right now. The Cowboys absolutely nailed this draft, and they did. And they are subtracting Jason Garrett. They're adding to already what may be the most talented roster in the NFL – And they are adding a Super Bowl champion coach and a really, really good draft class. So that's why I have the Cowboys where they are. They had an absolutely fantastic weekend. But the team that I'm going to say had the best weekend was the San Francisco 49ers. And again, well, there's not a whole lot of, honestly, in terms of quantity, the Cowboys brought in more talent this weekend. But I believe that the Niners did just as well with a lot less. And a lot of credit has to go to general manager John Lynch. He had two picks in the first five rounds of this draft. Think about that. Two picks in the first five rounds of the NFL draft. That's over 150 selections. Only two of those belong to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they both occurred in the first round. Number 13 overall and number 31 overall. So John Lynch goes into this draft with two picks. He comes out with Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams. Javon Kinlaw, out of South Carolina, the best nose tackle, the best run stopper in this year's draft, he comes in to replace DeForest Buckner, who of course went over to Indianapolis. And then Brandon Ayuk, a guy who's college head coach, Herm Edwards at Arizona State, he he, compares him to Jerry Rice. He's one of the best speedsters in this draft. He's a guy that you can get at value in the late first round, if that's a thing, if that's even possible. And then, on day three, They reach an agreement with Trent Williams, the embattled yet talented. Redskins left tackle, who made it very clear he wanted out of Washington. Washington, knowing how valuable he was, were only listening to offers that would blow them away. And they thought they had one in place Friday night that would send Williams to the Vikings. But Williams himself ended up nixing that deal. He didn't want to play for Minnesota. So the Redskins had to find another suitor. And it just so happened that Saturday, the same day, That all-decade lineman Joe Staley, uh, future Hall of Famer, decides to retire due to medical reasons. John Lynch is able to work out a trade that brings Trent Williams to the Bay Area. So it's because of the sheer shrewdness of John Lynch as an executive that I'm going to give the Niners just a little bit of an edge over the Cowboys this weekend as far as who had the best draft. But again, those are interchangeable. I think you could put on a very persuasive, uh, persuasive case to me as to why the Cowboys actually won the draft this year. But for me, I'm going to go with the Niners because John Lynch took two picks, two of the uh, first, uh, two picks in the first five rounds of the draft and came away with a speedster at wideout, a, uh, I I would say he's a generational left tackle, Trent Williams, and the best run stopper in the draft. I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you remain in the league as a general manager for a long time. John Lynch did that this weekend with San Francisco. By the way, here, before we go to break and we take our next time out, let me give you the answer to the trivia question I posed to you right before we took our first break. Now, the question to remind you that prior to this weekend, 24 quarterbacks have been drafted first overall in the common draft era, which dates back to 1967. Of those 24, four of them went on to win an NFL MVP award and six won a Super Bowl MVP. Three Of those 24 quarterbacks that were the first overall pick, ended up winning both of them, both a Super Bowl MVP and NFL MVP. Those three quarterbacks, John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Terry Bradshaw, they're the only three quarterbacks who were drafted first overall that have won both a Super Bowl MVP and an NFL MVP. Let's take our next time out. we still got more draft coverage. Plus, we'll talk with some Northern Michigan coaches about how the outbreak and the quarantines affected them and their recruiting efforts next on ESPN-UP. When glass breaks, and it's the kind of a break where your insurance company is going to pay for it, step back for a moment and call Time Out. You have the right to select Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales of Ishpeming, and why not? If it's glass, they can fix it. All work is guaranteed, and they will bill your insurance directly. The mobile team at Peninsula Glass will come to you and make repairs. Call for a free estimate and see how the crew can best serve you. They also do residential and heavy equipment repair. Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales, Marquette County's only locally owned and operated auto glass shop, right on US-41 in Ishpeming.
2: Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner
0: Hoop. Deshaun Hightower, the leading scorer for Tulane men's basketball and recently an NFL uh, NBA draft declaree, has been charged with murder stemming from an April 8th shooting along with five other conspirators. The Los Angeles Lakers have returned approximately $4.6 million they received from a federal government program. The program was intended to help small businesses weather the economic burden caused by the coronavirus outbreak. And finally, all three of the Ball brothers, Jello, LaMelo, and Lonzo, are signing with Rock Nation, the sports agency owned by Jay-Z. That is your Sports Center update. Glad to have you along here in ESPN-UP. Hey, before we get to talking with coaches here at Northern and we discuss how the outbreak has affected them, their recruiting efforts certainly being impacted by this, a couple of notables that I do want to make sure are mentioned here from the NFL draft over the weekend. The first one being Jacob Eason. He was taken in the fourth round by the Indianapolis Colts. I've said for a while I thought he was maybe the most stereotypical pro-style quarterback, and you know what? The, the team is drafting him, knowing that unless they extend Philip Rivers, he comes back, or they go out and get somebody else, he's going to be the only quarterback under contract next season. Philip Rivers is there on a one-year, twenty-five million dollar deal. Beyond that, who knows? So this could be the learning year for Jacob Eason, get mentored by one of the, I mean, he one of the better quarterbacks of our generation, than Philip Rivers. I really like Eason, I really do, and I'm excited to see that he looks like he's going to get his opportunity to make it as an NFL quarterback, although his general manager, Chris Ballard, said, we don't need to make this guy look like a savior. We don't need to put the weight of the world on him right now. you got to keep in mind he's a fourth-round draft pick. The other guy that I want to bring up here before we hit the phone line is Jake Fromm, who absolutely fell from grace this weekend. He was projected by some to be a late first-round pick, early second, and he slipped all the way to the fifth round where he was graciously picked up by the Buffalo Bills. Now, why? What what was the reason for Fromm's fall? His absolute free fall from the top of so many mock drafts. Well, one assistant uh, reportedly, one assistant coach in the NFL reportedly texted Bruce Feldman, who covers college football on Fox, and said that it was his combine performance. A poor combine performance is what caused the fall for Jake Fromm. Now, if that's the case. Why would you ever put yourself at risk by going out there and doing it? And I think that guys like Joe Burrow and Tua Tugavailoa had it right. And obviously Tua was dealing with injuries. That factored into it. But they had the right idea in the sense that why would you put yourself out there just because it gives somebody a reason not to draft you. There's really nothing good that could come from the combine. If Jake Fromm didn't participate in the combine, he probably would have went first round because all that we had on him was what he put together in Georgia. The combine, it's not going to do guys like that good. If you're one of the top picks in the draft or a projected first-round talent, I don't know why you'd go through that. Why you'd put yourself at risk of falling the way Jake Robb did. By the way, after taxes and his agent fee, he is going to net about a hundred forty thousand dollars from all this, which again, not bad. Nothing to sneeze at, but yeah, you, know, you think what that could have been with first-round money instead, he fell well into Saturday. With that, let's hit the phone line here, our makeshift phone line, and let's talk Northern Michigan basketball with men's head coach, Matt Mackerzak. He's kind of joined us here. And coach, firstly, how are you spending the time during quarantine, isolation, what have you? I've heard puzzles, I've heard Legos, I've heard movies, video games. How about you? How's the time being spent in your household?
1: Well, I'm excited to get outside a little bit and try to catch up on some yard work and uh, maybe even get some exercise in with the weather being nicer, but... Um, A lot of film, it's been, I think, just for me personally, it's been almost a a kind of blessing in some ways with with it being so go, 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 getting the job late. It's been kind of a a nice downtime that I haven't had yet to just kind of look back on the season and
0: reflect and kind of come up with what we're planning on doing going forward. Tell me about some of those reflections that you look back on in your first year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's been it's been kind of odd just rewatching everything because it takes some of the emotion out of it. We played so well at times where we beat the four best teams in the league on the road, um, and then obviously had games where we played some some opponents that weren't near as good and lost. So, uh, I, you know, it was kind of a season of ups and downs. But I'm really excited about the future, and I thought we got a lot better throughout the season, which is always kind of a good sign of things to come.
0: Tell me professionally how the quarantine has impacted you. Is there any aspect besides recruiting that at least is notable? Um. Yeah, I mean, not working with the guys I think is really tough, uh,
1: especially, again, being year one. I, I was really, really excited to get to the gym with them every day and, and really start working on kind of where we're going from here because in season you don't get near enough time of kind of one-on-one development stuff. So without having that, that's been kind of a tough – it's been a tough – situation just trying to figure out what the best way to do all that is and you know you use zoom and you try to do it some other ways and get creative with it but nothing's as good as being in the gym you know
0: one-on-one with with the guys how have you gone about recruiting with everything that's going on
1: you know it's been it's been kind of in in a way it's been kind of fun um i heard the i heard the notre dame coach mike bray said that in an interview and when he said it i kind of was like i'm glad i'm not the only one thinking this because with with it, you've been able to talk to a lot of people because of the Zoom stuff, and um, it hasn't been near as negative as kind of I thought it would have been going in uh, because you can just talk to so many more kids and get to sit down with them. I also think, you know, for us, it's probably been a little bit better than it's been for other, other people in other sports and that um, we still had a lot of connections from some of the junior college stuff, and even our, our assistant was an AU coach not long ago, so... Um, in a way, we, we had a lot of kind of previous relationships with kids. and I think in some ways we probably have been able to get some kids here that we might have not been able to get had they been seen by everybody else. So I think that was one of the advantages of having a young staff and um, having some of those relationships we had is it, it's probably helped our recruiting class a little bit, to be honest, which you almost feel a little guilty about, but at the same time, I'm really excited about the guys we have
0: coming in. How about some of the conversations you've had with members of your current roster? Yeah, it's been um, you know a lot of Zoom stuff, trying to just stay on, on top
1: of their classes right now, um, just with it being such a different thing than they've ever done before. For instance, we have one of our kids uh, who doesn't have Wi-Fi at his house, and so he's back home with his family, and um, they live out in a rural area, and they don't have Wi-Fi at their house. So he's been trying to use his cell phone to get a connection, to go online and keep up with his classes and fall lectures and all those types of things. And, you know, you look at some of those situations and it's kind of like you're having to rewrite. You know, I don't have advice on that. That's not anything I ever anticipated. It's, you know, how do you handle that? That's kind of fresh stuff for for all of us. And so the teachers at Northern have been unbelievable about being really helpful with all those kind of things. But I think our biggest role right now has just been trying to – give them some ideas on, on how to navigate going from in-person classes to online classes, which it's it's hard enough for some of our guys to do online classes anyways, but to have that transition, there's a lot of new things and, and different things that, of course, no one was expecting.
0: Is there anything that, in terms of a workout plan, diet, what have you, that you put forward to your guys with the limited resources they have?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been hard giving one firm thing in the sense of, um, I would say about half our roster right now has access to some form of weights and about half of them don't. So you can, you don't want the kids that have the weights to not use them, but the kids that don't have the weights, they need to be doing body workouts and, and running and staying in shape that way. Um, so it's been more kind of individualized where each of them, it's been sitting down with them one-on-one and, and trying to come up with a plan for them specifically. And then obviously everyone's got slightly different needs. We have some guys right now that are trying to lose some weight or at least stay in shape. And then there's other guys that are trying to pack on as much weight as they can, which hopefully we can turn into muscle when hopefully we get back to things in the fall. So that's been kind of more of an individual process than maybe it would be if everyone was with us just because everyone has different needs right now. Um, and it sounds really silly and it's something I'm trying to do for myself to not get completely out of shape, but just weighing yourself and and trying to stay active. I think, you know, all athletes, but college athletes are so wired to be go, go, go. This is a really weird time for everyone, but I feel like uniquely our kids are, you know, kind of, they're used to just their whole lives being structured and having 10 hours a day of classes and workouts and lifting and um, to all of a sudden have all this free time, I, I know it's
0: tough on those guys because it's
1: just something they're completely not used to.
0: Well, and the times are so weird right now. Things are unpredictable. But is there kind of a tentative timeline or a plan for your program, or are you just kind of taking it day by day?
1: Uh, I, I, I'll tell you the same thing I've told our guys because, you know, they're asking because usually I'm giving them, hey, this is what we're going to do. I don't know. And I don't think anyone knows. I mean, you can kind of guess and you can lay out some potential scenarios. and If this happens, this is how we're going to deal with it. Um, and I've tried to do as much of that as possible just to give them kind of the different options. But for instance, we really wanted to have camp here coming up in June. My guess is we're not going to be able to have that. Um, that final decision hasn't been made, but, um right now it's obviously not looking good to have camp so that would have been a time where we'd have everyone up and get to hang out and be together um that's probably not gonna happen so then it's like what's the next step and um you know i don't know and i don't want to come off "car our guys as is telling them one thing and then having another thing happen so a lot of it's been me just kind of relaying the information that you know we get updates every week from the ncaa uh, we get updates from northern And I'm just trying to relay as much information to them as possible and give them kind of different possible outcomes. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I I have no idea. I'm, I'm obviously hoping and praying for the best, but I don't think anyone knows right now.
0: Coach last thing before I let you go, we get together here, post the NFL draft. I know that we got a lot of frustrated Packer fans, but uh, your thoughts on your Packers and how the weekend went. Uh, It was, uh, it was
1: definitely surprising. I, I think I'm probably handling it better than a lot of my friends are. I had, I had a, I had about 47 angry texts on my phone after the first round from different people. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I, the one thing I, it, my initial reaction was, um, I think as a competitor and as a fan, sometimes you, you, you forget you have actually no, no say in anything. But you know, you want them to win, and you want them to win the Super Bowl now. Um, so it, my original reaction was kind of frustration because you want them to get over that hump immediately but kind of as times wore on a little bit if uh, if love ends up being a, a pro bowler down the line and um the running back ends up being really good all of a sudden we look back and this is the best packer draft ever so i think sometimes the drafts are are hard because everyone says a winner or a loser to the draft and i don't know if those things always happen the way that kind of the general population thinks they do
0: a voice of reason for Packer fans from Matt Mackerzak, Northern Michigan men's basketball head coach. Appreciate the time as always, Matt. Always good talking to you. Stay safe, be well, and hopefully we can get the season going here on time. Yeah, thanks, center. Let's take a timeout. More in a moment on ESPN-UP. Whether it's the smell of a toasting Village Hearth blueberry bagel or cooking hot dogs over a campfire, kids of all ages want simple, comforting food that reminds them of mom's home cooking. Village Hearth was born from that nostalgia and commitment to simplicity. Baked locally and delivered fresh daily, you'll find a wide variety of buns, breads, bagels, and English muffins at a grocery store near you. Village Hearth, baking our best for you.
2: Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop.
0: now to talk Northern Michigan hockey with head coach Grant Petone and coach first and foremost before we get into how this quarantine the outbreak what have you is impacting you professionally what's the quarantine life look like in the Petone house how have you guys been managing all this
2: yeah, you know to be honest if you would have said six weeks ago or whatever it was that um, you know the five of us were going to be here at uh, 14, 13 and 8 um, you know with our kids as aged I would have said boy we're 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 in for a long couple weeks, but uh it's actually been uh it's been it's been pretty good. Um, you know, the the kids have gotten along well and uh with the addition of some of the, the zooming um for their academics that's helped it's it's helped a lot more when uh, uh my wife and I didn't don't have to continue to be teachers, right? I don't I think we picked the right profession. I um uh, I honestly, you know, you have appreciation for walking in somebody else's shoes when you do it and um, you know, the the people that are teachers, um, obviously, that that's a, it's a very challenging profession, and um, I think all of us appreciate what they do much more when you try to uh, recreate what they've been doing their whole lives.
0: What's the biggest pastime in your household? I've heard puzzling, I've heard Legos, video games, streaming services, stuff like that. How are you guys spending the time? You know, th-
2: with the weather being better, uh, and that's kind of been the you know the difference on what we do. Um, you know, the the boys are at an age where they're old enough to. Um, you know, kind of, they they kind of start to have a little passion for some things and, um, you know, right now it's probably more focused on athletics than, than, than anything else. So when it's nicer out, they, um, you know, they're outside uh, stick-handling, shooting pucks, you know, just kind of being kids. Um, you know, my daughter, uh, she's the one that we're kind of trying to continue to find things to do for bike rides and stuff like that. We just, we just try to be active every day and, and obviously when, in the downtime, you're going to um, you know, you're going to be watching, you know, shows or or trying to, you know, try to get them to read for a little bit. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's been a good, you know, six weeks for our family.
0: Well, Coach, I want to talk to you about how this has affected you as the Northern Michigan Hockey Head Coach. Tell me first and foremost about recruiting. How's this uh, impacted you? What challenges are you facing?
2: Yeah, we, we we've had uh you know, I think through every. Anything that comes up, you can either look at it as an opportunity or a challenge. If, um, you know, the people that are dealing with, you know, the same situation, um, you know, you, they have the same choice. And for us, we've, you know, tried to use it as an opportunity to uh, to showcase our program and showcase ourselves, you know, as best we can. And we actually had a couple of recruiting visits scheduled um, during the quarantine, and obviously those came to a halt. Uh, but with with the, with the addition of this technology and, and Zoom and some of those things, um, we've actually had, uh, uh, two players make commitments to us, uh, over the zoom and, um, you know, you, you send them in, like on a, on a typical recruiting visit. So when you're, you're recruiting a player, you know, there's a courting process where, you know, for, you know, a month or three weeks or six weeks or kind of case by case, you, um, you get to know the player and you talk to them about your program You talk to them about The culture of your team, and you talk to them about the community, and um, and they get to know you, and you get to know them, and over that time frame, you've already made the decision that uh, before you even start this, you've already made the decision that you want them athletically. You think that they're a good fit for your program. Now it's are they a good fit? Uh, Are they a good person? Do they fit well in what we're doing? Um, You know, are they going to represent a program well? So you know, you you're going through that whole process as the coach. The athletes going through the process trying to figure out you know is this a place that that I want to further my education is this a place that um, you know I want to be proud that that I said for the rest of my life that I'm alumni of Northern Michigan and and, and whatever school they're talking about and, and and so going through that process what's important for them is you know a couple things is that they want to get a feel for what the community is like they want to get a feel for what um, what the rinks like they you know they, they want to know that you know, what what your sport is on campus is important, and, and they want to know that they're going to have the support to to reach whatever ceiling that they individually have. So when you don't have the ability to bring a person in on a, on a recruiting visit they can physically see it, you have to get creative. And, um, you know, with some of the things the marketing department had done this year, um, you know, a couple of those, those videos of, you know, talking about our program and, Um, showing, you know, the the rink and and the community. I think the one that comes to mind is um, where I think they call it the cats are back, and it shows Phil Blue running down by the lake, and then it shows, you know, the community getting excited for Michigan State weekend, and then it shows the rink. And and so it kind of checks off some of those boxes. Um, But then the biggest point, I think, for for recruiting visit is how do you interact with the coaching staff, and, and, and is there a trust factor, is there a comfort level? You know all those things play into a factor of a of a recruit, and with Zoom, it's it's actually it's really I've really enjoyed it, and and I'm not you know before this I you know for whatever reason I just I didn't ever Facetime people I didn't you know even my own like my my family my kids my parents my wife I just I I just it wasn't part of what you know I did I just you know my my wife has done it and my kids do it and you know some of those things but I never really done it Um, but being on the Zoom I think it's it's such a difference, you know, when you can see the facial expressions and and there's a little bit of emotion through the through the screen and some of those things that um, that it's really gone well. And um, to be honest, like I was talking to a, a different coach, a friend of mine, and I said, you know, I told him the same thing. I said I've never done that. I've never been a face time person. And I, I said, you know, I'm probably going to start doing it in recruiting. You know, not the first couple calls, but you know, maybe call three or call four. You know, because when you're looking at somebody, you can really get a feel for for where they're at. And, and there's times in a conversation that you know you have to remember you're dealing with kids here, and and they're nervous. And um, you know, there's times that you know maybe they're they're quiet for a second, and and it's not because they're not interested. It's just because they're thinking, or um, you know, they're trying to, to 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 phrase the right way to say something. And, and I think some of that can get lost in translation. But it, when you see them and you see what's going on with them, and they see you. And, and maybe sometimes we ask a question to an athlete or we're explaining something to an athlete, and, you know, they, maybe it comes off uh, differently because they can't see what you're doing. They don't see your hands moving. They don't see you talk. So I've really, like, it's probably changed the way we're going to do recruiting, to be honest, and, and um, in my opinion, you know, for the better because it, you, you form that relationship and that bond quicker. So when you do meet that, that athlete for the first time, you know, there's a little comfort level with
0: you. Have you used any of these Zoom communications with some of your current players, and what have those conversations been like?
2: Yeah, we're, we're actually um, – tomorrow we're, um, we're we're doing the first one tomorrow. And, I, I, you know, going into this, I don't think any of us knew um, – you know, nobody could know the extent of this, right? Like I, I think at first it was billed as, you know, there's there's going to be a couple weeks here that, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to, to be in person in class and we're not going to be able to be in the rink and we're not – um, so that, and I think that was kind of the the, the common thought was that it's, it, this is going to be a couple of week, um, you know, kind of hiatus. And, and even you see, like the NHL calling it a pause. You know, they they didn't cancel anything; they just paused it. So, you know, now I think we're at the point where, um, and you had we had to wait to, for a certain time frame. So last week was the first time we actually we could actually do this within the um, accountable activities um, legislation. So when a year's yeah. done, you have to have a certain amount of time off um you have there's certain parameters you have to follow so now those parameters have been lifted and over the next you know we got about two three weeks here where we can do some of these communications and um on monday i'm i'm having all the incoming players and all the returners on a call and um you know we're there's a little probably um you know apprehension to to all these these people coming on this computer for the first time so what we did is we we made some questions up and Um, you know, I sent it to the group and they're going to answer three of the 10 and, you know, there's some, um, real serious ones about, you know, who's your biggest influence and what it means to be, you know, what, what do you, what do you think a great teammate is? Um, and then there's some other ones about, you know, like have a little humor to them. Give me your most embarrassing story. Um, you know, tell us your best joke. If you, if you walked outside and and found a lottery ticket and there's $10 million in that winning lottery ticket, you know, what would you do first? So I, I just want to try break the ice a little bit with the incoming players and, and get ahead of the curve a little bit. And, and then we're going to start getting into, you know, talking about the culture of our program again and, and getting all these young players acclimated on on what it means to be a Wildcat. And, and I'll lead that to start, but it's much more powerful coming from our players. And, um, you know, there, there's going to be some of those things going forward, too. And, um, you know, those things are all really important to me. And, you know, I guess I, I use the word culture, but – Culture is this, you know, mythical being, unicorn, kind of off in space, and, and, and you don't really see it, feel it, touch it, but when you talk, you know, I, I I like with our group to use the word family, because you can feel family, you can touch family, you can, um, you know, you, you're going to have a, an argument with your family, but you love each other, and you're going to get by it, and there's ups and downs in families, and, and that to me is more what What I'm trying to build with our program, and and I guess it's the same word, but for me it just makes more sense to call it a family other than, you know, the culture of something um, sometimes can be, you know, just more of an abstract thought.
0: Is there any kind of workout plan, anything like that for a lot of your guys that I know gyms are closed, but, you know, as they remotely go about their lives from their own homes or anything, how do they, they go about staying in hockey shape?
2: Yeah, some of that is is really is kind of going to be based on what they have at their disposal. Um, you know, and, and some of it, like you, you know, the game has changed a lot in, in what you see the product on the rink. But I don't know that it's changed in what you 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 can do to prepare yourself for it. And, you know, if you think back to like you know the movie Miracle when they're doing wall sits and passing the forty-five pound plate across each other, you know, like anybody can do an ISO hold at home and anybody can get the hockey position at home, you know, and those things are probably what guys have done on their own. Um, There, there are some, again, some legislation that, um, you know, that stipulate how guys can receive workout programs and, and and they have to all be on a voluntary basis. So um, Jenna Brunemesso is our strength coach and, and, and she's incredible. Um, So uh, direction from, you know, areas that we could continue to, to improve your, yourself physically you know you reach out to jenna and, and those things in the summertime all have to be voluntary so um there's just there's some certain parameters on it but um to be honest i mean i i don't worry about you know the players on our team um you know the first probably four or five weeks we needed to heal you know and, and we were so beat up at the end of the year you know from from griff not being able to practice even you know he's in a walking boot. to um, you know we have players playing with broken wrists and separated shoulders and and those are the guys playing. you know you had three or four other guys that weren 't playing at all because of their injuries so the the biggest part for us you know to to finish this season with such a unique season that way was just to heal and and now i I believe all the guys have you know for the most part gotten through that, but there's still a hiccup on some of those things because all these elective uh surgeries or or you know the doctor's appointments have been have been canceled because of of COVID-19. So, you know, there's players that still need to be seen, um, you know, and some of that is um, just kind of the nature of the beast we're dealing with.
0: Coach, last thing before I let you go, we get together here post the NFL draft. Give me your overall grade on your Vikings, how they did, how they came out of the weekend.
2: I will tell you this. um, What an amazing deal the NFL did. I mean, I can't even imagine how challenging that must have been, but Mm -hmm. um, I give them an A-plus for what they did. Uh, I love what we did in the first round. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, here's <laughs> – I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. But um, Steelman gets beat up sometimes about, you know, taking the best player available. You know, and in, in, in he says that a lot. I don't know that he truly does that because I, I do think, you know, taking, um, you know, a receiver from LSU, like that was a need. You know, we lost Diggs. That was a need. He was, you know, for sure the best receiver available. Um, so then you get some, ha- some help in the, in the, in the, um, in the defensive area in the second pick in the first round, um, A plus, like, um, I think he, they did a great job and, you know, I, I think our, you look at what our, our, our arch nemesis did in the draft and, um, you know, the experts are, um, you know, probably saying the Packers could have, could have done more to help their quarterback. So, um, I hope they're right, uh, and I hope that, that they missed on some of their picks and, And we can keep on the line. I mean, what do you think? What are Uh, your thoughts? I know you're paying attention.
0: You know, I really thought that the Vikings did well, and they did exactly what they needed to in the draft. I mean, Justin Jefferson falling in their lap in the first round helped out big time. But, man, I'm a big fan of this virtual draft. I mean, I like this better than the in-person draft. What about you? Uh, You
2: know, I thought it was was so unique and, um, you know, that – Seeing people's families and and celebrating that moment, I mean, you know, this this is a huge moment for these players getting drafted. Um, Just seeing some of that emotion I thought was was a really nice touch.
0: Grandpa Tony, Northern Michigan head coach, kind of to join us here at ESPN-UP. Appreciate it as always, Coach. Always good talking to you. Stay safe, be well, and hopefully uh, looking forward to a good season of hockey that will start on time. Yeah, thanks, Tanner. And
2: and I hope everybody's doing well and staying safe and um, hope to see you soon.
0: That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Until then, stay safe. Have a great rest of your Monday. I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN, UP, WZAM, Ishpeming, Marquette.